Yeah. Dude, so she just gets on the car with the blind eye and she drives and I'm out in my fucking room crying how he tried to fucking fight and come come up with this amateur scene and it was just like the weirdest I remember crying and that pain ever since like stuck with me, you know? Yeah. Dude, you know? your life has been like a movie for real. Like Dude, I, I know you talked about it on another podcast, so I'm not gonna make you rehash all the details, but that story you just told with your mom, that's like that's a small chapter in your overall journey. Yeah, that's uh, it's these small battles. Even though when I go through these small battles, I always know that like I've I've faced so many storms that like it's just you know another day, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's like it's funny that you sit on my lifestyle. It's like I listen to Dave Goggins. Yeah, like I read his book Can't Hurt Me, and a bunch of other stuff. In this podcast, man, there's just similar lifestyle from like childhood of growing up to like what he faced and things like that. So, all right, not to stop you guys here, but yeah, we should be good. Goggins is unbelievable to listen to. Like you hear about a dude running 200 miles that that doesn't make sense to me. Like humanly impossible, and yet he does it on jacked up knees and everything. Yeah, it's crazy. I was listening to him uh, before my fight while I was cutting weight. You know, just talking on his Rogan podcast, and I just put that in, no music. Pattern was there with me cutting weight, and I just like listened to him and like fed off this energy. It's like, let's go. <laughs> I love when people find genuine encouragement from that because a lot of people, I, and I think it's people that are kind of afraid to find their best self. They want to put guys like Goggins down and act like, oh, he's just saying stuff for Instagram and for the attention. But like people who live that, like you, that mentality, you guys understand. There is another level to how you can act to your being. Yeah. Like, like you can get on another level. Mm -hmm. I think he made me realize that it's normal to be who I am the way I am. Because it's like a lot of similarities with him. Like, I'll get mad in the gym when people are just like fucking the dog and not doing anything. And it's just that inner bitch comes out of me. And I just start talking out loud to myself. And just to not like to hurt or anything to them, but just to show that. That I have the inner bitch too, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like talking talking through it. It's like last week at the factory, we were doing workouts and we finished the workout. Isaac's like, okay, what are we doing, Bobby? I just came out on top of my head. I said 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and we're doing it. And everybody's just like talking. And all of a sudden, my inner bitch just kicks in. And I'm just like, listen, you all here suffering. You all think this is like, it was just crazy. I was just going all over it. And eventually, eventually, everybody just kept feeding off this energy and just like they were going hard. So it was, it's good to see that. But I feel like it's just uh, everybody is weird in many different ways. You know, I do some weird things mm -hmm. that might be so weird to you might be do some things that are works for you and weird, but we have to embrace that difference. We have to respect that and just know that everybody's weird in a way and we just have to appreciate for what they are, you know what I mean? Because it's just, I feel like that's what it's like an American thing. It's like being stuck in the crab, you know, crab being in a bucket. It's just, like, I mean, in America, we don't embrace difference. Mm. Ever since I've came in as an immigrant, I came, I've talked, I tried to just embrace the culture and fit in and get into environment. And um, they were like, oh, you're fucking fresh off the boat. Ha ha, you, you know what I mean? They yeah, make yeah. fun of me. But then you go to Thailand and you start telling them that you're English, Afghanistan, or you're this or you're that. They embrace the difference so much. Like, oh, my God, those guys <laughs> can speak English. Oh, you're from Afghanistan? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's one thing that I've seen from North America and any other parts of the world is down here, we don't embrace difference. We look down upon, oh, you're not American. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, speak English. But anywhere else, as an American, you go to somewhere or other, they embrace that. They're like, damn. This person like you're so special you know sure I mean? that's really interesting and that's part of your journey has given you this amazing perspective you've been traveled all over the world at different stages of your life too which i think is important it wasn't like you were just born somewhere and then you're one year old and you moved to usa like you've seen different cultures throughout different stages of your life which is really interesting so what do you think that is with americans do you think we're we're just spoiled <laughs> The thing with, I was talking on another podcast, but we Americans take three things for granted. Our freedom. Our freedom down here to be who we want, to say what we want. Nowadays, you can even use your gender to be who you want to be. Mm -hmm. um, just the freedom. The freedom. A lot of people 
in other places and other countries don't have the freedom that we do have. I have the freedom here to do what I want and to follow my dreams. You think I'd be able to have that freedom if I was in Afghanistan? Mm. Be like, go feed your family, kid. Yeah, you know, you got better things to do. So we take away our freedom. Opportunities, man. Here, the biggest thing that this country gives is it gives you opportunity to go work at Walmart to make someone else's dream happen, come true. Mm. Or you could go work for yourself and make your dream come happen, right? Right. You're you're entrepreneur, you're studying. Boom, you could get a loan from the bank. You could go start your business. There's uh, opportunities, uh, resources. We don't use that. Like we don't, we take that for granted and entitlement. We all think that we're entitled to have this free, you know, American dream. We're entitled to uh, having coaches. Like, you know what I mean? The entitlement. So I've, uh, that's one thing I've always told people here. I appreciate the freedom, opportunities, and less entitlement. So Yeah, I think all of that boils down to what you're doing now as a fighter. But I would even say more than that as a person, man, mm-hmm. like your, your overall mentality the Matt Factory could not be a more perfect fit for you. <laughs> like, is there a it's better crazy. place it was a for God's you to plan. be? Yeah. I, like, now that I think about it, and I'm here more around like a lot of uh, gyms, grappling, and wrestling, and I'm like, damn, bro, what if I just ended up somewhere else? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I was like, damn. It's not only you know coming in with a kickboxing background. Not only do they provide pretty grappling heavy approach. That's no surprise to anybody. Wrestling and grappling, which is what you needed the most. But then you've got a guy at the top like Isaac and then all of his connections as well. You know, we're talking about Simon off air, all these people that Isaac's connected with to help mentor you, to help bring you up. I mean, how do you even explain what these people have done for you in such a short period of time? It's like I've told Isaac, I said, Isaac, you may have not given me a life, but you give me a life to live. Uh, I think uh, uh, biggest thing from where you're saying, I live by a quote that says, uh, your network is your net worth. Nice. So that's nice. one thing I've realized as a fighter, as a stock and stuff. But going back to your question, uh, I think it's been a huge uh, resource having Isaac and his people, his networking. And the biggest thing I take away all from that is not gaining anything, but gaining wisdom, learning how to be a leader, learning maturity, learning how to be a man. And uh, uh biggest thing I've learned about Isaac uh, is, is it's not about receiving it's about giving back right you know what i mean and yep. just seeing these men become successful every him like simon simon Arias, um isaac phil amaris chris dempsey if you look at all these men that i'm always associated with and, and, uh, and work along with and get guidance and stuff they're all uh successful men in, in any field that they do yep. they're all family oriented right loyalty and uh, integrity and respect, honor, they all embody all of this. So they just, they all speak one language and it's just jujitsu, wrestling, or life. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing I've learned from them is not just their help, but their mentorship, yep. their guidance, their, uh, just, just like a father figure, you know, just because I've, I've, I've grew up a lot as a kid where an immigrant, in, in, as an immigrant in like Russia, Belarus, Canada, and uh, I always respect my man because without him, there wouldn't be f- no food on the table. Yep. So we always grew up with my mom. But then I never had that connection with my dad because all we knew is daddy goes to work. Mm-hmm. Daddy goes to work. Daddy goes to work. Right. So um, I didn't have that father figure mentorship like I do. So now that I get any little ounce of it, yeah, I, I know what it's like not to have it. So I just take it take every grain of it and just like soak it in because it's just like it's like my father figures you know i'm, I'm here right. with no family so yeah was that something that you craved that father figure or was it yeah just once you started having it you were like okay now i need this. i know i need this did, but did you think you needed it before they came into your life as well uh i would lie to you if i said yes uh i think i was just like i was when i always grew up since i was the oldest and i was like the king of the house i've always served the family like do everything else uh, i uh always crave for attention i mm-hmm. always crave for the big bro attention because i never had it right so i always go home go outside get bullied or get in the street fight come home can't talk to mom mm-hmm. like it's just that's not how it works you know what i mean and or like i just didn't have that attention i think first i started getting an attention from my coach evan Bors, striking concept kudos to him um uh, that's he when we mean him started working. He was just like another costume model. Like you were just 
sit with me, watch me shadow box, watch wow. me stretch, tell me to do this, tell me to do that, send me videos to watch. So I started like feeling the love because I never felt like I never when I grew up as a kid, I never felt loved, never felt like I was belonged or hurt. Right. And when I grew up as a kid, it was a very abusive relationship. Like a lot of things that were going my parents were going through, their demons turn into our demons mm -hmm. and and that was the demons that we had to battle and like i just didn't grow up with love pain a love sense of belongingness and things like that so uh anytime i i do get that i appreciate it to the to the bone and anytime i see someone else suffer mm -hmm. it gives me ptsd of mm. knowing that how it felt like when I was there. So even if I don't have nothing, I'll just take off that shirt and give that person because I know how it feels like to be on the other side of the fence. So I'll do anything to anyone, whether you're a little kid, a grown man or a woman, I would like always give something because I just know how hopeless it is to yeah. just need help and not having it. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing that you would ever want a kid to go through, but now that you're on the other side, it is important to reflect on those lessons. I think that's the ultimate uh, injustice, I would say. If a kid goes through all of that and doesn't learn anything from it, doesn't grow from it, that's that's the worst case scenario, right? Now you've suffered for nothing. At least in your case, you're now turning it into a massive positive and you're learning mm -hmm. how to influence others with your life too. And I know obviously you're in the thick of your fighting career now. You just won an amateur title looking to go pro, I believe. Yes. <laughs> but uh, you have a lot left to do yourself. Yeah, it's but, just getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how excited are you one day to be able to maybe be an Isaac Greeley for other people? Does that, do you look at that after your career's yeah, over? You're, you're excited to... Definitely. Like, I don't let the fighting aspect to become my whole identity because it could be gone in one day of one fight getting injured or whatever. Yep. But I look forward to giving back, definitely, uh, to maybe to, to to the people, to my people from my back home. That's mm -hmm. my main goal. And uh, I can't wait to be an issue and, and, and just to support and give back for my platform uh, to others. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I do. my One of my dreams is to have my own academy, mm -hmm. have my own gym and things like that. So I, I learned a lot of him, man. I learned a lot of, of Isaac. And, you know, and a little bit like just how I treat first when I came in the gym, I had a little chip on my shoulder. So I would like treat people that cross trained with us with a little hate, like he's not from here, this and that. <laughs> but then Isaac was the one that set me down and said, listen, like, you know, there's nothing else better than wanting someone else to win as bad as you want to win. Right. And like helping out your teammates. And like, it's just, he told me that life is not about always getting and receiving, but it's about just giving back as much as you can. So that was like a good lesson that I've learned, but I'm always learning around him. He's just, there's never stopping, you know, either in the gym or outside the gym or how to be a coach, how to be a great man or how to be a good husband or a good family man. You know, it goes along the way. He's a really inspiring guy on so many Definitely. levels, like you just said. And I think that's interesting that you had the same thought when somebody came to cross train, because that is very much an Isaac Greeley principle of like, Pittsburgh doesn't fight Pittsburgh. Usually yeah. there are exceptions once in a while. We'll get a matchup where it happens and it's all respect. It's all love. There's no, like, I'm sure you've noticed there's no intense rivalries no. in Pittsburgh at all, but that is definitely one of Isaac's philosophies. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's an important part of the Pittsburgh MMA dynamic. A lot of people think, cause in other cities in Philly, Philly fights Philly all the time. That's like cross town rivalry. It's a big no, it deal is. there. Yeah. Here, Everybody gets along. Everybody works together. You guys are super close with Stout. I know. And Stout, graciously, always hosts MMA practice, I think, on Saturdays, yeah, right? I go down there every Saturday. Yeah, so that's amazing to have a place where you can all get together, learn from each other, and grow together. I mean, what has your experience been like in the MMA scene in Pittsburgh so far? Uh, it's funny you say that about Stout. So my first day I show up to sparring, I ended up being a sparring session. I get in the session, I have, I'm sparring John DeJesus. Oh, God. And Chaka, <laughs> Chaka Wordy and then Justin Patton. So it's my first day on the block. <laughs> I'm about 166 pounds. I just oh. quit my job. I don't know if, what I signed up for. I'm in Stouts. We're sparring, and I'm just going back and forth with DeJesus. And I know DeJesus, but DeJesus forgot because I met him only once, like when I mm -hmm, first came. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't really know me. Anyways, we go on a whap him with a head kick he gets caught he's surprised but he's just like we're going in the back and forward i catch him with a couple of head kicks we had a good session 
And then right before I go to Chaka, I'm about to dap and he's like, yeah, yeah, yo, 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 watch this kid's head kick, eh? Head kick, head kick, keep watching the head kick. And I'm like, what the hell? Because it's just a little Pittsburgh thing, you right, know? I'm just right. like, I'm like, I'm gonna show these guys what up. Like, you can't talk. Like, what is it? You know, it threw me off. Threw yeah, me yeah. off. And I go with Chaka and then we go back and forward. So I'm just like, have a little chip on my shoulder because I just like, I came into a gym. I kind of know where I am, where my experience at, where my level and things like that. And I'm not getting the respect. That yeah. I that I that I think I wanted or deserved. And again, respect is not given; it's earned, right? Mm -hmm. So, anyways, and then that was just like the first. And then I'm sparring Pat, and I'm hitting Pat, and Pat is laughing at me, making these weird faces, and I'm getting a little pissed. I'm like, "Oh, do you think this is funny, kid?" I'm a boy. <laughs> anyways, we go back and forth. We had good exchanges. First couple of weeks, it was hard to to um, get around the MMA scene mm -hmm. and get a little like notice, respect. Cause I was just like this new kid on the block just sure. started guns blazing against everyone and just big glove sparring. So then I was just going hard, but eventually we kind of broke in and after more sparring session, more trainings and we just became like more family. But it was hard at the beginning because when I first came to Pittsburgh, I just looked at myself as this baddest guy on the planet, but then my flowers weren't given to me. My my respect wasn't earned. So I had a little chip on my shoulder, like y'all gonna remember me. Y'all gonna know who I am. This and that, and 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 and, and even in my press conference, first fight for B, uh, uh, two for seven. I'm like, why my fight? I was like the first, second guy to open the card. So I'm like, that's disrespected. They gotta have me on the main card. Dude, these guys don't know who I am. And then I finally had an interview. And, and after a while, I mean, uh. I earned my respect in the MMA scene. I feel like people started noticing me and then appreciating me. A lot of guys would would ask me for rounds, helps, mm -hmm. and things like that. But uh, it took a while to kind of break in into the different environment, different state, different sure. country to come through and just like be like, "Hey guys, I want no problems. I just want to get better like you guys." Yep. But uh, it was it was it was hard to get even at the math factory. Like when I first go in, I, I'm just like a type of guy when I go in the gym like. This is my life. This mm -hmm. is my job. Like, you know, I take it seriously to the bone for my training to warm up, to cool down, to who I who are my training partners. And if you know what I mean? So it was just, it was hard at the beginning to kind of get along with a couple of math factory guys, but then eventually, eventually they're just uh broken and time healed yeah. everything, you know. It's super clear that you take this insanely seriously to everybody. Yeah. I mean, I'd say probably the biggest testament from my eyes is just how far your grapplings come in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. I joked with you a little bit when you went to fight to win and you won. I'm like, dude, you cannot go to a grappling tournament and win. Like we're no. never going to be able to match you again because obviously you're known for your striking and everything, but how far your grappling has come is pretty amazing, man. Do you, it's crazy. Do you enjoy grappling? I love like, it. You man. like it now? I love it because 2000, two, I think two years ago when I was sitting uh, down at the UFC Ottawa, it was um, um, it was Derek Brunson against uh, uh, Ily uh, Ilya Stator, RP to him. And then he there was the co-main main, main event was uh, Stephen Wonderboard Thompson. No, it was, sorry, it was uh, Cowboy Cerrone against uh, Al Quinta. Cowboy Cerrone mm. won. And that was the day when I decided to do, I want to do MMA full time. Okay. And then I told myself that it, that I need four full years and be a brown, be a purple belt in order for me to turn pro. So that was my expectations. So I would not, uh, and then now I'm to looking fast forward track inside. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit closer there to exactly where my planning was. Yeah. But I never thought I would uh, be as good as I am now. All I had in my vision is like, dude, there's gonna be one motherfucker. It's gonna to try to take me down deep waters and swim under the ground with him. And I cannot just be that type of guy to be like, okay, take down defense. Just get up. Just get nah. If he wants to swim with me, pull a submission, I should be able to be in there and swim with those sharks and be able to go down to deep waters and show him that like I, you know what yep. I mean? I'm gonna yep. be a full com, com, uh, com, complete uh, fighter. So the and fast forward to now, no, I think it didn't make sense. This whole grappling jujitsu it didn't make sense because there's no thing in martial arts like there's no a path to where you want to go like I, right. there was no clear path so I was just like lost questioning some days whether that's right whether it's wrong like if you're playing football it's so easy mm -hmm. go to high school you know bust down whatever make a name get a college offer go to college after that it's combined and there's yep. a path MMA there's no path. 
So you have to kind of create your own path. And while I was creating my own path, this all didn't make sense. But eventually with Isaac guidance at the math factory with the intensity level that we have and just knowing that this is what I'm going to do for my rest of my life. I better get down there and really do this. Don't just say that I'm doing it. Really do this. And with a lot of these uh, competitions, jiu-jitsu tournaments, uh, and things like that, I gained confidence. I've gained the, uh, my mental aspect of the game that is just, it's nothing hard, you know. It's, it's whatever you put your mind into it, you're able to do it. And But again, repetition comes from two, two things. From uh, Sorry, confidence comes from two things. Repetition and self-talk. Mm-hmm. And if you think about self-talk, it goes back to repetition. How many times are you talking, going through, meditating? How many times are you repeating the same drill over and over and over again, right? So... Uh, I think I never thought I would like get to this level that I am today, but uh, as I am getting to it now, I'm just realizing that the sky's the limit, you know? Yeah. I think you're a blue belt now, Yeah, I'm right? a blue belt, yeah. Do you, how close do you feel like you are to purple? You said that was your goal. Uh, I hate ranking out belts and yeah. letting it, like letting a number or color sure. define my potential, but I think like maybe a, a year, one more year mm-hmm. or something like that, I could probably like go ahead and do it like my i'm setting out goals for this year my last year goals were when i started working with isaac i said i wanted to compete in three jiu-jitsu tournaments which i did this year and i I gained a lot of matches from that and i mentioned on the goal i wanted to go undefeated this year i did so that was great and there's other bunch of other goals that i've accomplished and some haven't so again new year new goals and you know just that that the 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 wall just keeps raising, right? And then there's That's a it. gap to that. Yep. So, yeah. I always described it like you're a football player and you score a touchdown, but right when you get to the end zone, now the goalposts move back on you. That's how yeah. that journey is. It's like you think you're there, but no, now that you're yeah. here, the next goal's up there. So that that's uh, your mentality's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Like it's very clear that you're taking it seriously and doing the right things. I how does a jujitsu match compare to preparing for a fight. I've always been curious because you hear guys describe some jujitsu matches as fights. Like I got a fight, got a super fight, whatever. But then you hear other guys who fight like, dude, that's not a real fight. Does it feel like a real fight to I you think mentally? Res- respecting uh, the martial arts, excuse me, uh, respecting the martial arts in a different way. If I'm having a jujitsu super, ma- super match, I'm definitely going to train a little different because grappling changes when you're allowed to combat mm-hmm. like strike right to the face the whole thing shifts like changes a lot so definitely getting ready for a fight is way different you treat it differently it's like more mma oriented you right. know whereas for grappling it's different when i have a grappling match or a tournament i kind of just like tend to taper down for one week and just make it all grappling you know mm-hmm. a lot of drilling a lot of game planning a lot of like position situational situations putting yourself in bad situation try to escape and like respect the game for what it is and follow those rules and adapt to them you yeah. know what i mean so it's, it was it was that fight to win I, I took that match on one day's notice i didn't train for it i seen all these guys were training last minute so i was just like whatever i signed up got it <laughs> went in and i got the uh, i got the win and that was the best thing that i've ever done last minute you know so it's just like putting yourself in these uncomfortable situation and seeing the outcome and if it goes good great you get so much mental strength from it right but if it doesn't go wrong you just get another lesson yep you know, it's like david goggins said it's not a loss it's attempts yep so as, as made you just gotta count too. those as attempts yep. not like losses and now dude like i go to jiu-jitsu matches wrestling or whatever i did do not get as that ang- like anxiety into it because mm. to me it's like dude as long as i don't get punched in the face i'm good you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. i just go to these tournaments with a different mentality but it took me three attempts three tournaments to finally come up to that to be like dude this is just another day on the mats it's nothing special like sure. it's just another journey go enjoy the moment you know yeah then you parlayed that momentum into a title victory yeah up at bizarro what was that experience like for you fighting for a belt? I know that was important for you to get. It was. An it was. Title. It was about time yeah. for MMA to give me my flowers to <laughs> appreciate what I've what I've done in such a small amount of time span, and uh, I think the title was just a good uh, statement mm-hmm. just to finally mark my stamp to yep. be number one in PA. But uh, it was. It was a great. It was a great uh, uh, a fight. 
I just didn't like fighting day of. He kind of reminds me of back days in the back I used to fight. So that was the hardest challenge. Not I the, honestly not, didn't not know to that beat was... the not to beat the guy, Dustin. I believed in my confidence and my training. The hardest challenge was to cut the weight in such a short amount of time in 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 in, in knowing whether I will be, will be able to function mm. fully, properly, you know, ready to 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 do that. But physically, you know, it's just the weight cut. And and uh, and uh, yeah, just the weight cut and just my, my well being. Right. That was the biggest question going to this fight. And a lot of like my uh, I had like bunch of problems with my family, with my relationship and stuff. Through before this fight, two weeks I was about to pull out. So it was just like being in the right state of mind. That was my biggest focus going mm -hmm. into this fight. I didn't care for the belt. Like right. I'll be honest with you, I had no like desire. What I was going through for the belt, like I just left that as like a bonus on top for for me to win the fight so it's just like performing i was very anxious to perform at my best state of mind and like 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 the mental part of it so yeah that was yeah. a great fight and uh kid was tough uh he was tough and uh again i i came out came out victorious because preparation when meets opportunity when you're you know mm -hmm. so i hired a nutritionist i did everything right you know, just dieting, working on my mental uh, uh, aspect of it. You know, something that uh, Simon uh, always preaches to me, MBS, mind, body, spirit. I wake up, do my meditation, journals, go for a little walk, you know, pray. Just making sure I'm always grounded yep. before I go to a battle. Yeah. I think since you've had two advanced amateur fights now and you've finished both opponents, it's very obvious that that rule set helps you a lot. I can't wait. Yeah. Just I think... Taking off shin pads is like the biggest relief. Uh, you yeah. just feel like something stuck on your leg. Yeah, yeah. This whole time, so like that's pretty good. And uh, I can't wait to fight like with full all-on elbows, head kicks, knees, head kicks, push kicks. You know, but again, it works out better for me because it put me in a pressure to adapt. Yep. And to be able to do like a modified version of me to get in there and to do what I can. That was the biggest challenge. You know, it's like going from head kicks to like maybe a little body. I was scared to even throw body kicks because sometimes it just go mm -hmm, to the head. Mm -hmm. So I got to had to keep it like low kicks and like punches a lot. Kind of got better slowly when I started doing a little ground and pound. But yeah, it was it was good. It was a good lesson. I take everything, you know, every good and bad from any situation, you know, take the good and throw away the bad. Yeah, man, I think for young fighters, that's a very important clip. We might even just clip this out for like a reel on Instagram for them to listen to. It's a lot, man. When you get into this game, this game is does not care, man. <laughs> does not care. Yeah. MMA asks from us fighters so much, and he just gives a little bit, a yep. little bit, and a little bit. And as I'm getting more serious, and this is what I'm doing for life, I see a lot of these kids in the sport that some want to be there and some not and some some are serious and some not and if it wasn't for the pa rule set <laughs> some of these kids would question themselves back over and over again you know a lot of them don't understand how valuable these rule sets are for them cuz it's just it's protecting them mm -hmm. cuz you know what i mean at the end of the cage you're going to get in there when you're in the cage, or you, as you're walking out, nobody knows you. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares. You're gonna get in. Oh, poor Bobby came from Afghanistan. Oh, poor Bobby cut weight. Nobody cares. You, all they see is two humans in fight, and you know what they care about at the end is the winner. Yep. Whoever loses, they don't care. Whoever wins, they care. Nice to meet you. Exactly. Hey, Bobby. Oh, you want? Get nice a to picture. meet you. Exactly. Get a so yeah. it's like, and I feel like a lot of these guys are now understanding the rule sets. And I feel like it's helping the younger generation to come up and evolve. And it's good. Don't let them strike a little bit the first three fights. Make them understand. Make them let them go back on their back and be like, holy shit. This dude could starch <laughs> me if it wasn't for the rules, yeah, right? Yeah. And then just like modifies. Where's the shin pad? No head kicks. And I feel like it's so good for the young upcoming fighters to uh, to just modify to it and to see if they, if they could do that. Okay, now let's take off the shin pads. Now, do, yep. if you could do shin pads, Kate, I think you're ready to go pro. But if you can't do none of those levels, then it's like we can't really like send you off to yep. that level. And your understanding of that is very important. And another guy that has talked about is Lucas Siebert. I don't know. He's, yeah. he's come to the factory yeah. a little bit, I believe. I know him, yeah. Yeah, he, he has said that people always tell him like, dude, go fight in Ohio or somewhere else where you can ground and pound. Like he's a wrestler. You're just going to win with ground and pound. He's like, 
yeah, that probably would make the fights easier for me, but it's way more valuable for me to not be able to use that now because now I have to build up all my other skills instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of the difference between guys like you and Siebert who are in this for life, very dedicated, very serious about your MMA careers, and other guys who just say, oh, I hate these rules, they restrict me. You know what I mean? It's that difference in mentality with you yeah. guys. It just, yeah, it's 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 just being realistic is knowing where you are, knowing where you have to be, and knowing mm-hmm. what it takes to get to that level, you know? You can't, mm-hmm. like, leap over just one step at a time, yep. fight at a time. I want to rewind it to a fight while we're talking about the rules because this is still one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Your fight with Vinny Constantino for us was just a wild fight that in general. Crazy fight. Probably the hardest shot you've taken as that, a fighter. That shot changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> that shot has changed my life a lot. You know, at the beginning, when my coach Evan would say, "You got to treat those punches like bullets, man. It's four rounds. You could go through your guard," and be like, "Dude." I'm untouchable. 40, these money fights, this kid can't touch me. I go in there, whap. <laughs> that's it. I just like shit. Like that's when my respect went up to him, and I did what I did to win. But then I, I remember getting off the first run. I came back to my corner. I got dropped last minute, so I lost the fight. It would have been a 10-9. And then I sit in stool. Isaac's like, "How you feeling?" And I'm like, "I feel good. I won that round, right?" And he's like. He kind of gives me, he's like, I, I want the run, no? And he's like, no, you got dropped. I'm like, dropped? I got, I didn't get dropped. I didn't get dropped. And it didn't in that corners get out. It was like, holy shit. And that's when I'm like, fuck, I got dropped. Man. And I'm like, oh, shit, I get, I get back in there. And when I got back in there, obviously, just move my feet, don't get touched, move around. But after that fight, I'm like, bro, no matter how good you are in the sport, no matter how impeccable you have defense or whatever, Anyone could drop you, man. And it just takes one second with these small four-ounce gloves. And so that changed up my whole game a lot, you know, from my defense to, like, not getting hit, being petty on defense and things like that. And I got concussed for the first time ever. I went through a concussion. And for three months, dude, my mental was bad. Mm. I was so unconfident, hard, depressed, didn't believe in myself. I would always get afraid. And then it took me a bunch of competitions, jiu-jitsu competition, bunch of self-talk, bunch of venting out, meditating, knowing that like, okay, like this is not normal what I'm going through. I have to recap, like come back, find mm-hmm. my roots and, you know, and just do a do bunch of like these therapies that I was like doing to uh, come back to life. Because man, like concussions are no joke. <laughs> Absolutely. You got to take those more seriously than anything, in my opinion, because yeah. we still don't know, like the best scientists in the world still don't understand them fully. Like we're still learning how these and can it was, affect it you. It was kudos to, uh, again, goes back to the um, commission and, mm-hmm. and the promotion. Kudos to prom- uh, the commission after the ring when I stepped out, giving me my medical letters. Yep. I was still good. I did this post-fight, in, uh, post-fight interview. I did twice, repeated the same thing again. <laughs> Obviously, you know, there's something wrong with this kid. He said yeah. the same thing twice. So when I stepped out, the commission did their job, and I thank you for them. They gave my medical uh, uh, insurance papers because I was a Canadian. I didn't have insurance covered. So yeah. that, that that helped me out a lot to go treat it and got my hand and my brain fixed and little things like that. And again, it goes back to the promotion. Thank you, you guys. For having that sense of uh, insurance and things and protecting us fighters, not just in the cage, but outside the cage. And I mean, when bills were coming through, at least I was happy mm-hmm. that it was being covered. Last thing you want to know is just, you got to pay like now you're a bunch broke of money. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just goes back to the commission and and then, and then the promotions, you know, doing a good job of taking care of uh, fighters and helping them out. So, yeah, it's important, man. You guys' health genuinely matters to us. We had a guy. This is a totally different scenario, but we had a fighter in here on our last podcast, Glenn Christner. He's a 0-1 amateur. He's fighting for us on this upcoming card Saturday. And he told us he drinks six bang energy drinks a day. And That's I was lot, like, bro. I was like, dude, chill. You're gonna die. Like you're actually gonna die. So like your health matters. Like that's important so to us. People think a lot of times that it's just like get in the cage and entertain us. Go make uh-huh. us money. Dude, that's not it. That's not the goal. We've talked about it repeatedly here, how we want to build up the sport of MMA and combat sports in general. That includes grappling, kickboxing, boxing in Pittsburgh. There's such a rich community of people we talked about with the Saturday Stouts. There's such 
a rich community of fighters that is just waiting to flourish here. And now there's a lot like you about to turn pro. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys coming up that are going to start replenishing that talent pool. And it's about to get really special, I think. Yeah, it's about to shit. It's about to get real. Yeah, I don't know for everybody else, but for me, it's it's crazy, man. You know, it's just my my journey being here, how how my development's going, to like how my big networking is getting better, my stock as a fighter, mm -hmm. uh, my story, and uh, now having a, a one of the best managements, first round management with them. I have no doubt to. Uh, to get the shot at UFC, Bellator, PFL, and stuff like that. So they've been always taking care of me, even though I haven't fought professionally yet. They always like my my agent Jose and and Abraham Kawa. He they always just like network with me, like my stuff, share, post, like you know what I mean. Awesome. That's pretty good. I can't wait what to do with them. My sponsorship is growing bigger. You know, with a bunch of these new companies or old companies back home. Uh, my coaching staff, like coaching, has been tremendous help. My for my training partners and it's just it's gonna get better and better you know move out hopefully to a, a bigger gym bigger stadiums you know and bigger plans for my life for my family and you know and i can't wait and it just it just it, we're just getting started you know like two years ago today who i am that was my hero and now that i am today who i am my heroes then bobby yep. within the next year mm -hmm. or two that's my my hero that's what i'm looking forward to mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i can't wait to to get where i want to be and be that hero that i was told myself to be one so yeah. i can't wait i'm sure with your mentality you've thought about it but how do you envision your pro career playing out let's say you make your pro debut what kind of time frame are you looking for? What kind of progression are you looking for? So with my pro debut, I, uh, box MMA is turning like boxing. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, it's turning like boxing because a lot of people you can't hit the game. A lot of people are padding up their records to, to, to get noticed properly. So when they go to Dana with Contender Series or they go to Bellator, Go to PFL, whatever this thing. Like, hey, our guy's six and zero. Our guy's eight and zero. You have to kind of build up a, a very good record for you to be noticeable. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of these cats that are just willing to fight and and things like that. So um, I want to build up my resume. So my goal for next year as a pro, I take it time by time. So my goal next year as a pro is to fight four times a year. Uh, within the four fights, I think. I should be able to get enough recognition. I'm thinking by f six fights, five fights, I should be able to get a shot of contender series with my background or uh, a shot at Bellator or a PFL. PFL, I just recently did their intake for PFL Combine for next year. Mm. And uh, my agent did a really good job. No, He knows my story and we've talked and he said that I signed up for it. And they're getting back to me. They haven't came up with the details, but they're doing a PFL combine. You get to train, talk. They, they, they want a lot of people that speak a lot of different languages with different stories. So I'm a perfect fit for that. Mm -hmm. Thanks to my agent. So he set that up for me and we're in talks. So we're waiting for the date to come down. And that could be a one way. Because you see now PFL has six different million dollar champions from Crazy, six different right? countries. Yeah. Right. So I see what they're promoting now. Mm -hmm. ESPN, you know, yep. I see yep. where they're going through. And then there's always UFC with the contender series. I know a lot of friends uh, that have been through it. And I know I've, I've watched people have they evolved until they got their shot. Right. So they had they came up maybe through Canadian rankings. So they may they may have came up through PA rankings. So you have to come up from one side or another. And uh, I think with my management, man, I tell all these fighters, man, go get a management. Get, get whether you're a pro because you don't know what you're doing yeah you don't know what you're doing get someone professionally do your job so the last thing you're worried about just the fight yep you don't have to worry about when how where percentage yes they might take their money but i mean as long as they're doing the right job as long as they're doing what you ask him to do then it's worth it it's worth it <laughs> yeah. but i see a lot of young talent amazing guys in pittsburgh specifically that are with no managers and talking to these promotions and Dealing, get a management. I'm very confident if I have I turn pro and I'm about like six and oh, seven and oh, that my management will give me a shot at this one of these big leagues. I'm confident enough. I've talked to them and I know what they're capable of and things like that. So I'm very happy I've I've, I've built that relationship. Yeah. With my management and uh, yeah. So 
I just want to uh, shout out them for always having my back and just, you know, can't wait to see how much of a role they're going to play into my professional career. Yeah, first round is obviously as top tier as it gets, mm-hmm. especially in the fight game, but they also have NFL players and a bunch yeah. of other athletes as well. So they know what they're doing, to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got to have guidance in the sport, you know, your coaches to your agent mm-hmm. to your... I don't know, to your, in your family, like you just have to have guidance. We all think we all know what to do, but if, if we receive that little guidance, then it's just a better decision making for us, you know? Absolutely. When you do go pro, 145, are you locked 135. 135. Yeah. Okay. 145, I was doing it, to be honest. Uh, it's just, it was amateur. I wasn't willing to cut a lot of weight. And uh, yeah, I was just like, okay, like, it's already sucks that I can't head kick people, so <laughs> it's gonna suck to going down. I might as well just, you know, mm-hmm. fight. It wasn't for the money, but it just like taxing the body. You know, nice. I don't want to tax the body so much. By the time I get to thirty-five, then I'm dying. So forty-five was a good idea. I fought forty-five for kickboxing, so that was great. But I'm definitely going to uh, thirty-five. That's my goal. Uh, I think it's a great fit for me. Forty-five comes a little complicated with size and height. Mm-hmm. I see v- divisions based on heights. I don't see it on body types. Okay. You know what I mean? 45, a, a lot of six footers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like 5'8. So when I go to 135, there's a lot of 5'6s and five, maybe 5'8s. Five and there might be one Sean O'Malley that's six something. Right. But like, I'm advantage. I have advantages in there. And then again, you can't hit the, you can't hit the game. That's just how it is. People are going to cut weight. You know, I've, I've met Islam Makhachev at one of Bellator fights. Dude walks around like 185, 190, cuts to 155, but that's just the game. That's it. You know, that's just the game, you and you have do. to adapt and can't hit the game. You just got to go out there and, you know, yeah, do your thing. So, yeah. Especially with day before weigh-ins, they're able to do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, this weight cut, when I fought day of 45, that's crazy, day of man. 45, I made 142. <sighs> so I was good. I yeah. was so good. I was laughing at, uh, I was laughing and telling myself, dude, 35, it's not going to suck. Like, I'm already 142. I'm going to fight today. I feel great. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like it's just part of me uh, being so uneducated with my diet. When I, once I hired a nutritionist, like, three, three, four years ago, it changed my life. It changed mm-hmm. my life cutting weight-wise. I don't have to finish training after hard training. The last thing I have to have in mind, how many calories, how many grams of protein, right. what I have to cook, you know what I mean? Have... I, I give my job to professionals, nutritionists that pay them, you know, through my sponsorship. And they're experts in that field and they tell me what to do, how to uh, uh, replenish, eat food. So I get to perform like at my best peak, right? So again, using your resources and, 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 and you know, just investing into yourself. That's a lot of these fighters that are that that I see make mistakes a lot. They don't invest in into their brand, invest in themselves. Like dudes hit up, <laughs> this is so annoying. This is so funny to me. I mean, if you're looking to get sponsored, no one's going to say, hey, Hunter, you're looking for sponsor? Yeah, I'll sponsor you. <laughs> Once in a blue moon, maybe a friend. Or even going on Facebook, hey, guys, I have a sponsorship. No one cares. Mm-hmm. You know what they care? Is when you say, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Bobby. Here's my sponsorship deal. I was wondering if you guys want to help out. Like, don't go out there asking for help. Go get it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like. Yep. In your Facebook list, Instagram, like you have all your buddies, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like a, a a Facebook fight page or whatever. So right. you're asking for a bunch of these sponsors and help. No one's just going to randomly donate or whatever. You got to go out there and do it and invest into yourself. Sell tickets, sell shirts, do a podcast or go do some help or whatever, right? Community re- uh, outreach or whatever to go out there and find these sponsors and to be able to fund you so you could have the have the best training camp to yourself you know like dude i'm spending about like 1500 a thousand into these amateur fights so think about it when it comes to pro when it becomes 15 percent cut for your manager five percent for the gym and nutritionist and this that so it's like i learned a lot you know i learned a lot that's why i love traveling Meeting other people, going to fight, go and watch Cody fight, going to watch uh, Dalton fight, or going to watch other pros fight. I just, dude, I learned so much. I just watch. You just don't listen to what people they say they're gonna do. Just watch them because mm-hmm. they're gonna sh- show the truth. Tell this. So I just love like watching things and like, learning. For sure, you're clearly obsessed with the game, man. What What would be your top three favorite fights of all time? 
Ooh, top three, I think it would be Shogun against John Jones. Ooh, that was my okay. first fight that got me into MMA. And me knowing how beautifully John Jones had like a striking mm. thing. The whole time I thought he was a striker. I, I, I didn't know he was a wrestler. He came yeah. from right. So the whole time until like two years ago, I thought John was a striker. That's and then funny. I don't know how he was just like a wrestler. <laughs> so that was pretty good. Uh, next one was Anderson Silva against Vitor Belfort. Anderson mm. Silva was the GOAT. I used to love watching him. Just creativity, man. Yeah. Him. And I think uh, uh, next one, the last one would be uh, top three. I think it would go to Israel Desanya against Kevin Gastelum. Such I, a I good listened fight. To, I, I, Israel Desanya is like someone I look up to a lot because when he got into MMA, that was when I started showing interest in MMA. And when he started becoming so successful as a striker, I'm like, dude, we kickboxers belong in this bitch now. Yep. Like, look at Izzy, dude. If Izzy could do it, yep. I could do it. And boom. After like Izzy's fourth, fifth fight, I started training MMA full time. That's awesome, and, man. And, and, and he was a huge inspiration. He's just... Sticks to his bread and butter, yep. you know, still evolves, learns, but just sticks to his game and, you know, and, and does his things. Because it's tough for me when and I train at like an MMA gym and jujitsu. Sometimes it gets to your head, to your ego, and you want to prove someone and, and you forget about where you come from and yep. you start grappling, rolling, and you're like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I'm a striker. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, for so sure. So that was pretty good, good inspiration to this day. So this day I still like look up how things and me and him fought not exactly at the same time. I fought on the same stadium as he fought for Alex Pereira in China. Wow. That's so that was inspiration. Experience. That Dang. was inspiration. I was like, dude, I'm in the same arena, you know, and then just like how he had a job. He had to quit his job. He finally went to do stuff. I had the same job. Yeah. Quit. Very similar. And, you know, he lived in China for a little bit. I fought there, went there, you know, did my thing. So it was pretty cool, cool uh, inspiration to look up to. I'm glad you mentioned that particular fight of his, not only because I think it's one of the most entertaining, but you said something earlier about you didn't want to grapple just to get back up. Mm -hmm. In that fight, he almost submitted Kelvin with a triangle, and that yeah. was the moment where I was like, ooh, you cannot just take Izzy mm -hmm. down and be safe. Even against Pereira. Yeah. You know, you cannot be a striker going to this game thinking you're just going to strike. Man, you have to be able to swim with the Sharks. Because at some point in time, that time is going to come to test. And what did he do? He grappled a little bit on the fence, took yep. him down. So, like, you have to be able to swim. You can't just go there and just survive. You have to be able to swim with these guys. So, it was pretty good to see him if, uh, like show up, show his uh, uh, wrestling and grappling. Because one or not, someone's going to test you out. So, that was pretty cool to see him do it. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of big weight cuts, Pereira coming down from like 230, dude, 240. Yeah. Dude, he's giant. Makes no I sense, seen him, I seen him in the TV. Everyone looks big until like you meet him in person. You see how small they are. But like you can see how big Pereira is on TV. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, that was pretty cool. It's no joke. I watched Pereira fight, not on in person, but in glory kickboxing. In mm -hmm. my glory kickboxing times. And it was a, But kickboxing is so interesting that like styles make fights. Cause it's just big gloves. So like he lost a couple of people and some of the people that he lost in we beat this one guy from Canada beat him, Simon Marcus. He's like this OG Canadian Phenom striker. Mm -hmm. So he beat Pereira and I've known about Pereira, but even knowing that Pereira wasn't, he wasn't a nobody. He was a somebody, but he wasn't like the goat or the pound for pound king in kickboxing. But knowing that he was a somebody and now going make, he goes to MMA where there's not a lot of these somebodies, but he's making so much yeah. noise with whatever he has. It's like, dude, man. Like, I don't know. A lot of strikers take a notice of him and Izzy and how much they've changed the game. But like, there's a path. There's yeah. a path. Yeah. Man. Watch a lot of these kickboxers are gonna slowly, slowly transition because there's hope. My question is, which I've always wondered this, and nobody's ever explained. Maybe you can help me out. Why is kickboxing not more popular in the United States? Everybody watches MMA and is like, oh, just bang. Like, everybody loves a stand-up fight. Why does a purely stand-up sport not catch on more? In? It's just the market, the politics from countries trying to be the best. Mm. Uh, not a lot of money. Not a lot of organizations into it. Uh, fan base is big and outside of North America, but inside of North America kickboxing is not that great uh thing is just uh politics with other countries trying to be the best and uh um just investment money a lot of promotions that started out in north america speaking of glory uh line fight 
mm-hmm. Muay Thai, and uh, there was other one, uh, Muay Thai Grand Prix. All of these went. All of these guys started slowly going bankrupt because there's not a lot of viewership. Yeah, as much as it is, there's not a lot of respect. That's why there's still the biggest promotion and always where Thailand, China, uh, Europe. You know, and yep. it's just outside of North America, and I just feel like the respect, the sport is not appreciated as much down in North America. So that's why there's not a lot of viewership. But uh, but again, one championships coming along. True. They're, they've They're they've, doing a they've bit evolved of Muay Thai kickboxing a lot mm-hmm. to the point now some guys are making 50 G's bonus. Dude, that's huge. He like a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, damn, I gave up my kickboxing career because there was no future for uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai. And I came over for MMA because there's there's a, a little bit of better blueprint. But now I'm seeing a bunch of these tournaments are coming up in Canada that is called Road to One. If you win that tournament, okay. you get to get a contract, a contract 100K wow. with one championship. And so it's like there's more avenues now. And I'm like, man, like I wish I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. If I had that. Back then, I, might I not be probably, here right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now I see like there's more opportunities, just one championship creating. So I think it's going to grow, but it's still going to take time. But anywhere else outside of North America, kickboxing is huge, man. Well, selfishly, I'm glad your path led you to Pittsburgh to pursue MMA because no, we're honored awesome. to have you here, dude. No, it was sure. awesome. Yeah, it's just it was all a dream, you know. It was just like who would have thought? Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm like people don't understand. Like, I'm an Afghan kid. Like, I'm. It was against the odds for me to be here. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. So the fact that I'm here and I'm gonna make something out of it and understand how grateful i am to be here to be on the other side of the fence because it's just and 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 i know the way i grew up wasn't right but can't hate can't can't hate the hate the experience that shaped you to who you are today mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm very grateful like i never thought i would come here i came here only to fight twice and all of a sudden just like life change you know so i'm i mean it was god's plan because it's like when i came here after six months my aunt called me and said, hey, we're being rescued from Afghanistan and we're being, f- they, they want us to bring us to America because the war happened in the Taliban. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was God's plan. God kind of put me in Pittsburgh knowing that my aunt was going to get rescued and it just happened, me happened to be in Pittsburgh and I told them I'm in Pittsburgh. They got shipped straight from Afghanistan, straight to Pittsburgh and they're now here. I saved the family's life. I'm helping them out, helping out with my career. So it was, it was just such a miracle, dude. So many yeah. things have happened and like s- small span of time of being here, but it's just, it's just, it's so happy. You know, two things we could take away in this life when we die, it's moments and memories, nothing else. I live always for moments and memories. So it's going to be a great moment of memory to take back with me in the grave. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that, man. And I want to point out just for people listening or watching, you learned English when you were like 13 years old, Yeah, right? it was that my third language. Yeah, That's I, I learned Farsi. Uh, Russian and then English was my third uh, language. It was hard. Uh, I, I learned English when I was in grade eight. When I first came to Canada, they put me in grade eight. And it was a culture shock going from like a public school, from like a uh, uh, from like a dictatorship republic mm-hmm. school to like a public school, and and just seeing how much freedom all these kids had and how much freedom we have, and like you know, from sitting in class to putting your hand up, waiting for the teacher to show your attention to use the washroom to whereas you just get up and walk away when a hall pass <laughs> yeah you know it was it was tough and being the oldest i didn't know proper english i always had to take my family out to the doctors to translate half broken english to go to school or to try to go to work or go to grocery get some food or you know what i mean or order some something online or go get a cable or it was just it was tough but then i felt like it was just um over a period of time, just being confident, just speaking, speaking, speaking. And by end of grade 12, I finally graduated uh, ESL program. It's like for English mm-hmm. people that new immigrants are finally graduated that. And I didn't have enough credits to do, go to college, to study, to become a nurse. I wanted to be a nurse. And then, so I went, I wanted to do an extra year of prerequisite to go to college and I went to biology class he didn't last about a month i got out and i said i don't want to do this and then bills were coming in i was the oldest I had to provide for the family pay rent so i had to get into trades and i went, went in to become a plumber i was what a, a plumber for five years 
And uh, I was just like working and uh, my day would start out at 6, 5 a.m. in the morning. I would get up, shower, whatever, get my lunch, go to work, start hard labor at 6 o'clock in the morning, finish by 3.30, after 3.30 with my dirty ass plumbing clothes. I'd get in a car. I had no time to change because every second mattered. I would get in a car. I had to be traffic in downtown. Drive from Toronto at three three thirty afternoon all the way to Niagara Falls, which is an hour and a half, two hour drive in traffic. Get to practice by by like five thirty. If practice would start at five, I always show up late because traffic and stuff. And my mm-hmm. coach will be like, "Oh, you're not serious. You don't want it." Anymore. Oh wow! You know, just life circumstances. But I always made it and then trained for two hours, wrestling MMA. Finished by like eight. Get home by like nine thirty ten. Sleep, eat my food, do some work, help out at home with my mom, dad, sleep at 12, wake up, and it would just be repetitive. Until one day, I just decided to get off Matrix and uh, do what I uh, wanted to do, follow my uh, passion and marry this game. But the hardest thing for me to, to choose to be at peace to, like today I am now is to understand that fighting is something that I love to do. And in order for me to go chase my dreams, I have to give everything away. And I have to start life all over again. And it goes back to Matrix. I was happy. I was comfortable with the monthly paychecks. I was earning $1,700 a week. So that was like good. I had a Mercedes C300. <laughs> I lived with my parents. I had no bills. I just had to help out. So I was just addicted to comfort- comfortableness. And it all came down to, okay, are you willing to lose everything to go chase what you want? Are you willing to start life from zero again? Are you willing to be a nobody to become to a somebody? You know what I mean? So that was the hardest thing to decide, to come into realization that this is what I love to do. You know, die doing this and and come in peace with it. You know, and as soon as I chose that, I I, I came at peace with myself and our war with the world, mm. where it was the other way around. You know, yep. I would always was at peace with the world. But I worry with myself because I just wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I always wanted to make people happy, make my family happy, provide, provide. But then in, in, in time of that, I got lost. I'm like, what about me? Yeah, you know, I'm aging. Right. What am I doing for my career? What am I doing for my generational wealth? What am I going to leave behind like my old man did? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was one, it was the hardest and the greatest decision that I made. And I hope everyone that pursued the sports does the same thing because it's not fun, man. You either all in or all out because it's a brutal sport. Don't do it because you have to. Don't do it for peer pressure. Don't just do it for likes because, man, like it's only going to get harder and harder every fight. Yep. You know, every, after three amateur fights, you're doing advanced. After advanced, is pro. And every pro fight, it's just going to get higher, better, and better. And you really got to be wanting to do this. You got to be wanting to, like, you know what I mean? It's like what Isaac said, his coaching style. Where he's like square, a triangle, and a straight line. Whereas he, when he trains an athlete, he tries to identify an athlete of how the athlete is. Is he a square, a triangle, or a straight line? So what a square is, is when an athlete has four priorities. Fighting, life, outside life, and his maybe couple, marriage, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's you have to coach that athlete differently because there's a lot of different priorities. Now, there's another athlete that's a triangle that's just like outside life, night lifestyle, training, and and his family maybe, you mm-hmm. know? And then you have to learn to tr- train a triangle differently because you can't press them because sometimes he, he might switch his parity. And there's one line guy that has his uh, uh, job, like his training, family, and that's it. Just mm, just one line. That's it. You know what Laser I mean? Laser so, focus, Exactly. Yeah. So you just got to be a one line. And it's hard, man. As I'm getting more experience and i see my fellow friends and the mma win lose and the high moments low moments and just what they're going through is just in mma there's no pathway there's no pathway to get you to where you want to be like mlb baseball basketball there's routes you could take Mm -hmm. to get to where you want mma there isn't one so you have to create one in order for you to create your own path you got to be all in because it's not gonna you know what i mean you're not it's not gonna make sense so well, I don't know how somebody could listen to this and not be inspired, man. But I think the most exciting thing of all, you're just getting started, brother. <laughs> yeah, man. I can't wait. The sky's the limit, you know. Um, I, I'm grateful for every moment, every memory that I've made here. 
that I've trained with Isaac. And man, I'm so much stronger now mentally, man. There's, there's, I'm just at another part of my life that I'm just like, my mental game is just beyond nothing. Like I could do anything as long as I manifest and put my mind to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I just realized, it made me more realize I had this conversation with Isaac. Fighting is, is all mental. Yep. Less than physical. It's all mental. It's all mental. And my mental has got so much better. Putting myself into these dark moments, in these unknown moments, struggling, going through these sacrifices, living by myself, living to like $3 a day, try to go to sheets, try to eat a meal, to like crying on the phone with my mom, try to like, try to come home to like, you know what I mean? To getting my ass beat by some of these high school, college athletes. Mm -hmm. It's just... There's a beauty in sacrificing. There's a beauty in struggle. And you just have to be all in. So uh, this is just the beginning. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. I know I belong in the big leagues. It's just a matter of time. I got to stay humble. I got to put in the work. Because at the end of the day, no one cares. Yep. You know, Today, you'll be a champion. Tomorrow, you're just another regular dude. So this is just, I can't wait, man. You know, I've been at top gyms. I've been around top dogs. I've been around like... Who you can mention, you know, like this year, like, dude, I came here to PA, not like not knowing what, who Bo Nickel is. Now I'm like friends <laughs> with him, you know, yeah. like now I, I know who RBY is. I got to yep. hang out with him, chill out. He invited us to a, 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 a wrestling match against them. And like, just so I went to American top team. I've yep. got to experience, see other kids, you know, and just other top level athletes have signed a deal with first round management and like it's crazy my first day trying to sign my management jorge masvidal walks in like you know what i mean and i'm here mm -hmm. learning from isaac a, a man that's just breeded so many of these champions you know i'm in a new city starting a new life new job and it's just it's 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 uh it's a gift man you know it was all a dream but now it's just becoming to a reality and uh, i can't wait uh i can't wait to build this legacy you know not for myself for sure. But for my family and, and, and just to uh, win and be successful and do good to life so I could give back and appreciate. Thank you to all the people that have helped me along the way, you know, and just to show that their hard work putting into me never went unrecognized. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait, you know. Uh, I made a bunch of plans. I'll be going home to celebrate the holidays after two years with my family, spend some time, and then go to Thailand for two months. Mm. I'm uh, already booked my trip, uh, and I'm gonna be there just training, kind of get away from everything. It's been hard training two years here, heavy on my wrestling jujitsu. Whereas, like, I'm not sit, I'm not like saying that I'm losing my striking, but a little bit of rustiness. Sure. And I'm a type of guy that like I love to be coach. I love to be told whether it be disciplined things because I believe everyone needs a coach as a professional athlete. So it's mm -hmm. like. I was coaching myself, doing, telling myself what I was going to do in striking, how am I going to train this fight and without my coaches being here. So it's a lot of pressure. It's good to go back in the mecca of art of eight limbs and just to just blend in with the ties and the humbleness and, and train and just be somewhere by the beach, meditate, manifest and, and, and write down new uh, hungry goals that I want to, you know, accomplish this year. And it's just a matter of time. And I watch all those top guys, Bellator, UFC top 15, top 10. I could bang with those guys, man. I could bang with those guys with my wrestling jiu-jitsu now coming along, man. It's like, it's just, it's crazy. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Everybody hears this. That's beautiful to hear, man. We're honored to have played a small part in your journey to this point and definitely 2023, man, maybe get your pro debut in there. Yeah, I can't wait, you know, uh, having fought home or here. Now it's, as I said, it's business. You know, it's, yep. this is business. It's no joke. It's go like, time now. It's go. Yeah. That's what Isaac said, and then I'm telling it to everybody is just uh, developed so well to become a pro. Because once you come up, become a pro, Isaac says it's go time. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of development. You got to feed for your yourself, work, life. You know what I mean? So it's like it's go time. When you when you turn pro, it's like what you exactly. It's go time. Fights after fights after fights after fights. And there's not a lot of development. You can't sit there for a, a year, yeah. or a year and a half, two, not fight and just develop. And then the game will pass. You know, who's you. gonna pick? Yep. Game will pass you. It's evolving, and you're falling behind. Like, yep, falling behind with financially. Like, how are you gonna pay yeah, right. to eat the diet? You know what I mean? How until how long are people gonna sponsor you within that two exactly. years? Exactly. So it's like that's where I'm feeling like. And as we're getting to my pro, it's just I'm feeling that go time readiness. 
So I can't wait. I'm definitely can't wait to fight maybe a couple of times back home, fight a couple of times here. And I, I do really want to, uh, uh, as I'm like turning pro now, I start to appreciate little things in life, like you guys, the promotion, mm. you know, uh, uh, what you guys do for us fighters and how much uh, you guys raise up our stocks and opportunities and like being, now I understand like anywhere I go, any any other state, there are some uh, 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 there are some promotions, but they aren't. And how much love you guys show up to these young generation? Because I mean, this young generation is the future. You know, the local. Every you need to support the locals because we are the future. So seeing how much you guys invest at the beginning, you know, your hardcore fighter like mm -hmm. oh, they, they should be happy that I'm fighting for him. Exactly. This that. But after a while, it's like, dude, if without them, <laughs> it wouldn't be us. <laughs> yeah, we would yeah. have to go to enemy's territory, get all booze going on. And yep. try to prove it to them that we are who we are. But then now we have this backyard, literally behind our backyard, this promotion that's like helping us and involving us. And it's like, I appreciate little things, you know. Again, goes back to the rule set, mm -hmm. the promotion, and how much shine you guys put on. So it was, it was, it was definitely an honor to fight uh, in your promotion and then in your cards. And uh, I don't have anything negative uh, to say about you guys, but the good things. And uh, now you being. Uh, the face of the company and Danny and a bunch of other guys helping out along. I think it's just a matter of time. You guys get more recognition yeah. and eventually have like UFC Fight Pass channel. Let's go. Broadcast your stuff. So it's just a matter of time, you know? It'd <laughs> yeah. be awesome. Hey, we've got our stream 247 live That's now. True. I don't know if, did you I've, get that? Yeah, I've listened to, yeah, I've listened right to a on. lot of your podcasts. Uh, I've listened to a majority of podcasts, try to listen to you guys live. And uh, as much as you guys are supporting... Uh, the athletes, I think the athletes should do the same, but not just athletes, but the supporters of athletes to tune mm -hmm. in and, and to uh, give you guys your flowers. Yeah, I mean, that... for what you guys do. And, you know, it just, it's life is, we're all one. Yep. Doesn't matter religion, race, one. We all need one another to be, to be one, you know, to, to, to do what we want to. So, yeah. Nailed it. I can't say it any better than that, man. We'll, we'll close on that as the closing remark because no, that, was, that awesome. was perfect, brother. Was I appreciate awesome. you coming in, checking out the studio. It was an awesome studio, you know. Uh, you guys, it started from the bottom. Now we're here, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the garage thing was, but this uh, seeing this beauty, it's uh, it's good. It just, you guys are on the right track. And I feel like it's just, again, it's just a matter of time, you know, depending on after how many uh, um, events you guys can yeah. blow up in Pittsburgh. And a lot of people know you guys now. Everybody that I've talked to since I've fought here and like, hey, yeah, you fighting? Uh, when are you fighting? I'm like, Two for, is that the two for seven promotion? I'm like, nice. no, no, it's pretty good because you guys <laughs> are getting though, a lot yeah. of names. That's what we like. And a to lot hear. of publicity in Pittsburgh, so it's pretty cool for your yeah. What you guys do for the sport and for the people, you know. I mean, we're not slowing down, man. We love this. I love this. Like, I could not be happier than doing this every day. So we're we're going for it, just like you, man. It's go time for us too. That's good, man. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, man. Appreciate you guys for sure, brother. Thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. No, that was pretty yeah, cool. Dude, I appreciate